Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later... I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. All right, folks. We have upsets already in the wildcard round. Welcome to the show. Day two of wildcard weekend for the NFL. And, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, The Browns getting their asses handed to them spectacularly by the Texans. I mean, listen. Did I think there was a chance the Browns could lose? Yeah. Did I expect the Browns to completely get pants on national TV with uh, Jim Schwartz refusing to change up his uh, defensive coverages? Listen, sometimes you deserve everything you get. Like, I I mean, I I don't know what else to say. You know, everyone's blaming Deshaun Watson. Uh, They're blaming, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I don't even understand Browns fans, to be honest, because like, it's almost like they, they just accepted being losers that it's like, I, I knew it was too good to be true. It's like, you actually have like legitimate questions to be asked of a, your coaching staff, because the game plan made no sense. Uh, offensively, Joe Flacco kind of quit on the team. But, you know, it was mainly because of the hit that got laid on him early in that game. Flacco sliding. Uh, I, I want to say uh, I'm blanking on the Houston DB. Uh, basically, he drills him as he's sliding. Probably could have called a late hit penalty, but it was a bang-bang play. And then he hit him so hard that he literally did the Booker T Spinaroonie on top of Flacco as he did the helicopter on top of Flacco because he hit him so hard he spun, he completely spun around unintentionally. But after that hit, Flacco had, wanted nothing to do with that game and started uh, just uh, uh, dispensing out picks like it was a pest dispenser. But uh, yeah, Flacco wanted nothing to do with that game once he got hit. Uh C.J. Stroud was just magnificent in terms of his performance. But again, part of it had to do with Jim Schwartz. What was that defensive game plan? It it, it made absolutely no sense. It literally was, he looked at the game plan of what the Colts did and said, nah, I could still beat that. I could still, my team could still execute that game plan. I have no problems. I'm not going to make any adjustments. There was no no concept as to any you saw a lot of man you saw no help over the top i mean nico collins did whatever he wanted to against uh that brown state that that was embarrassing i mean nico collins still had uh, uh six catches for 96 yards 
But the issue again, he had it. He had basically everything he wanted to. And then on the on the flip side, because of the fact that they were playing off too many dudes, like C.J. Stroud had, uh, yeah, he had sixteen completions uh, to five different receivers. It wasn't as though they had a massive uh, game plan, but it was every time they were in the red zone, the Browns would blow coverage. The Browns blew coverage spectacularly. And again, I say this from the standpoint of, I actually, I think it was Desmond King who hit um, Flacco. But um, literally, once... Uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Desmond King, and now I'm looking at the, the, the highlight again. Literally, once the Texans got, a, uh, because there was a big play by Brevin Jordan, only pass he caught in the entire game, but they literally had the entire pick of what they wanted to run because the Browns didn't know what to do in terms of uh, going after Stroud. They weren't rushing the passer. They weren't really stopping the run. And Flacco was just a complete mess. I mean, that's really what it came down to. Like, the the Texans put up 45 points. But if you actually look at the uh, yardage, Texas only had about 350 in yardage. Like, the game itself was predicated on... Two pick sixes by Flacco. As I said, Flacco wanted nothing to do with that game once he got hit. That That's really the long and short of it. Now, did the uh, Browns defense show up to play? No. The, the, I hated the game plan. The game plan was way too comfortable for C.J. Stroud. But literally that game was predicated on one guy wanted to be there. The other guy had, once he got hit, was looking at this saying, <coughs> I'm getting paid next year no matter where I'm playing. I'm good to go. Flacco had no interest in being in that game once he got hit. And the defense, once they realized the offense was not really going to get them back in the game, they kind of quit too. Listen, uh, they can say whatever they want. Uh, Miles Garrett, uh, if they vote him defensive MVP over TJ Watt, I'm going to bust out laughing because it... It literally made no... That was a complete Alfoldo performance, to say the least. And speaking of Alfoldo performances, we had the Dolphins play last night. And what did I warn everyone about? Some team was going to quit. I didn't think we were going to get two teams quitting on day one. I thought that uh, the Browns, Texas... I thought the Texans were going to compete no matter what. But the Browns were just going to be better. I was not expecting the Browns to quit. And then, the, and then you, you get the Dolphins just, as I said, they got an early score and then had nothing to do with the rest of that game. Uh, Chiefs just slowly grind out a win. Nothing too crazy with the Chiefs' performance. Rasheed Rice did to get a touchdown. Um, they peppered him with uh, underneath passes. But what I say? I said there was a chance you get a backup tight end outscoring uh, Travis Kelsey. Like, the Joku and Harrison Bryant had 93 yards and 65 yards, respectively. 
it, you know, if Flacco was even remotely interested in playing that game, they they, they probably would have crushed uh, uh, Kelsey with the comeback script. Cleveland scored no points in the second half, by the way. I want everyone to realize Flacco threw two pick sixes in the in the first half and didn't score a single point in the second half. I just want that noted for the record about how ridiculous that game was in terms of a complete no show and not giving it two you know what's about the game. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It wasn't two pick sixes in the first half. I would say it was two pick sixes early in the third quarter to show you how little he gave a damn about the game. Just to correct myself there. Because I know someone's going to come back and be like, oh, no, no, he he, he threw the pick sixes uh, in the third quarter, not not in the first half. Like, listen, he threw those pick sixes so early in the, in the, in the third quarter to make sure the game was out of reach. That's how you knew the, the, uh, he had quit on his team because he had no interest in playing the rest of that game. He put that game out of reach early because that was still a 10-point game. I hope you realize he, like, he threw two pick sixes back-to-back drives. Like He literally had a pick six and then r- repeated the cycle. Like the, the game was over. He ended the game within a three-minute span. That's how ridiculous that game was. But, you know, anywho, the, the less said about the Dolphins, the better. Um, they, like, the, the, the Dolphins had no interest in being in F, uh, Arrowhead. The most noble thing about the KC game is, like, you know, uh, Andy Reid's mustache, like, uh, getting frostbite. His mustache was frozen. That's the most notable thing about the Dolphins' the Chiefs game. It, it, it was one of the most ho-hung games you will ever see Patrick Mahomes playing. You know, Dolphins didn't want to tackle. Chiefs didn't really want to push the pace. You had record low temperatures. And then you had Taylor Swift in the audience, you know, da- uh, you know, tr- you know, attempting to dance. I don't know what it, that was. It was like, it was a... It, 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 uh, the, the the kids will know what the whatever move she was trying to appropriate from uh, a black artist this this go around. <laughs> like I have no idea. It was like a wave, but it wasn't the wave. Uh, I don't even know what the hell to make make of that. That was just whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, it it was just man, that game was boring. But it was the first game on Peacock. And what you're going to see in the future, no one may like it, but guess what? More games are going to be on premium channels before you know it because the NFL may not want to go down the road of making the Super Bowl a pay-per-view event, but you best believe that they are eventually going to shift playoff games to streaming platforms and make you get a subscription for it. They are going to go that that route sooner than later. That's the reality of the situation. It's 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 what it's what they do in England for a Premier League, and Premier League doesn't even have playoffs, but they they make sure to uh, put some of their games on premium channels. If you live in England, that that that's what's going to happen. So, folks, you may not like it, but that's the reality of the situation. But anywho, now that we've recapped what occurred yesterday, let's talk about today's games. 
Dallas and Green Bay. I've told you guys from the jump, I begrudgingly have to say the Cowboys have a chance to win the Super Bowl. I also have to quite bluntly say that I do not trust the Cowboys whatsoever in any situation. So while, yes, this matchup screams they should be able to dominate this Green Bay team, there is no way I am putting confident money on the Cowboys minus 7.5. Even though I feel confident that they can easily blow out this Green Bay team, I can easily see a scenario where they F around and find out and have to scramble to try to win the game at home being a, a touchdown favorite. I can easily see Green Bay putting up points against this Cowboys defense. Because the Cowboys defense, as talented as they are, they will gamble. And if your attention to detail isn't where it needs to be come postseason time, you can get burned. So I can see a scenario where an Aaron Jones, uh, who's been there in the playoffs, has a good day. Even though the Cowboys should be good at run stopping. I can see Aaron Jones putting up numbers. I can see a Christian Watson, even though he's been injured the last couple of weeks. I can see him putting up uh, big numbers. I can see Jaden Reed, who had a great close to the uh, final month of the year, putting up big numbers against his Cowboys defense. Because the Cowboys will gamble on plays. The Packers have Romeo Dobbs. He can put up numbers. Like, the... You know, for all the talk Aaron Rodgers has made about how he never had help at the end in Green Bay, the Packers seem to have a bunch of wide receivers that uh, have made plays throughout the year. Curious how that worked out. Very curious. So with that being said, and myself talking up uh, the Packers and Jordan Love, it's not as though I'm saying Jordan Love, this transitional quarterback, I don't think he's where C.J. Stroud is. And Stroud is a rookie. And Stroud is in my opinion, the runner-up to NFL MVP behind Lamar. I don't think it's even remotely close. If I see Brock Purdy's name anywhere near NFL MVP ahead of C.J. Stroud, I'm going to yell at voters because I don't know what you're looking at. Period. Like, you're not watching games. You are not watching games if you're you're putting Brock Purdy ahead of C.J. Stroud in the MVP voting race. You're not. It's like, it's not even close. And the same thing goes for Dak as well, because I know a lot of Cowboys fans were chirping that Dak is the MVP, and I'm looking at this saying, like, y'all aren't watching the tape either. So, from a fantasy perspective, let's talk about this one, because there's a lot to dive into. And I think you're going to have to get the right game script uh, to be successful today. And... I think it's going to be hard. I think we have better games today and a harder way of diagnosing what to play from a fantasy perspective. Because from the outset of it, the Cowboys could blow out the Packers or you could get a game where the Cowboys and Packers put up 70 points. And it's a, and it's a tight game. That's the weird part about this game. And it's hard to pick a side because to me, the way I would want to stack the Packers is I would I would want to play uh I would want to play uh Jordan Love with Aaron Jones and then pair him with at least 
one wide receiver and maybe uh, maybe a tight end as well, and have four Packers, uh, including Love, and then run it back with CeeDee Lamb. Now, you can play Dak Prescott. The issue with playing Dak, though, is that from a pricing perspective, Dak is so expensive that he eats up all your salary. So Dak is uh, 7600 on DraftKings. I could just pay 6300 for Jordan Love. And because CD is already 9000 and I want CD uh, if I'm playing the Cowboys side of the matchup because CD should be getting the target volume, knowing Dak's affinity for throwing a CD, you know, I, I would look at it from that standpoint of, you know, focusing on get, getting Packers players and skill position players, to be specific, involved and do the run back with CD. Because even though I'm saying that the most likely scenario is the Cowboys take care of business, they get up big, but then you have the catch-up script where Jordan Love's throwing to keep the team in it. It's going to spread out, but I still think you're probably going to have them put up numbers comparable to Dak at a lower price point. The caveat is, what happens when the Cowboys don't show up? If the Cowboys don't show up and the Packers put up points, that's going to be even more of a situation where you could actually... You may actually be stuck needing Dak uh, and then having to find the Packer player that can outscore C.D. Lamb because Dak and C.D. together, I think it's going to be too expensive to win with uh, the amount of salary you have to allocate. Because, you know, yeah, you could try to chase a cheap play, but you're going to need that cheap play to hit. And most people are going to run it with Either like Jamison Williams in the, in the in nightcap with uh, uh, Detroit or Demarcus Robinson, and while you could do it, I don't, I just don't see enough value there. It's like you're 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 almost if this was the six game slate, um, I would almost rather play Shakir against uh, against the Steelers, even though Shakir is going to be extremely popular. I would rather do that than some of these other plays. Um, even though, like, even if you're going down to, so that's why I would prefer Christian Watson. Truth be told, um, Dontavian Wicks is there at 4,800, but I, I would, I would say that Christian Watson, more than likely, if he's healthy, he should be getting the targets at 4,500 over Wicks. So I would rather play uh, Christian Watson over Wicks. That's just the way I would look at it. But in the event of the Cowboys screwing up, because, listen, there's a reason why Stephen A. Smith makes fun of the Cowboys so much as he does. Because it's great content, and they do it quite often. So to me, you're looking at a situation where the Cowboys could find a way to screw this game up and be scrambling to try to win a game that they're favored by a touchdown. It can happen. And so in a Cowboys needing to save their lives type script, you can look at a CD lamb, but I would probably pair him or just go outright with a Michael Gallup because at that price point, you need like 
You would need every game to suck in order to win with Dak and CD together. That's the reality situation. They're too expensive together that there's not enough viable uh, players to build a roster out of that's going to see uh, enough targets. So you're going to need to hit it right with the Packers players that got the Cowboys in the hole, and you would need to hit uh, Dak at CD scoring all the points for the Cowboys. And there's a chance that a Gallup or Cooks or Ferguson siphons off a touchdown. Maybe Tony Pollard gets into the end zone one of these days, but I'm not as worried about the Cowboys running game. I'm more thinking about the Cowboys receivers and the amount of options Dak has to throw to uh, siphoning points off CD. But if it's a game where the Cowboys are up, more than likely it's because Dak and CD got off to a good start early. They got their points early, so it's funneled to them. So you don't have to focus on the other pieces because Dallas is already up, and then they're going to grind out the clock with Tony Pollard, who probably won't get in the end zone, but will chew up enough carries and yards that the the clock will burn, and then you do the catch-up script with the uh, Packer side of the equation, and you get your points there. So that's the way I would build for uh, Packers-Cowboys. Do I love this game uh, from a fantasy perspective? Yes, because I, I think this game could absolutely shoot out. But from a betting perspective... I would much rather just hit the over on the um, on the total. It's 52.5. I would rather hit the over on it because I think 52 is too low. I think it, it's probably going to be closer to the 60s than anything else um, from a betting perspective. It's just a matter of, you know, can the Cowboys get up early? If the Cowboys don't get up early and this is a tight game, look for the Cowboys to choke it away. They, it, it's just who they are. It's who they are at this point. They're the team that chokes. All right, moving on. And actually, you know what? We're going to take a quick break, uh, uh, and then we'll move on to the Detroit uh, Rams game because I do want to get into a couple of uh, talking points there uh, before uh, I uh, get into the Monday night, well, the Monday games now that we have Buffalo as well. So we'll we'll break it up. Uh, But uh, anywho. Uh, We'll be back after this uh, break. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right. The game I am most looking forward to this weekend from a pure technical standpoint in terms of matchups. Uh, the Rams traveling to Detroit to play the Lions. You know, essentially, you have Detroit favored. I completely disagree with the assessment that Detroit should be favored in this matchup. But uh, Detroit is favored by three and a half. Basically, in terms of uh, the game itself, this favors the uh, this favors uh, the Rams. In terms of the actual matchup, Detroit, while they have a stout run defense, they're one of the worst pass defenses in the league. And you're going up against Cooper Cup. Again, people were crazy enough to say that Cooper Cup was the best wide receiver in the league. I I, 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 I laugh at that ass- assessment every single time I hear it because uh, the Rams won the Super Bowl. He was not the best wide receiver in the league. I, I Yet... There were folks, there were folks who were throwing that out there. Mike Grimmer, um, who were throwing that out there, that narrative. I, I just wanted, I want, I wanted to be held accountable that there were folks actively asserting in a league where you had Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, outright saying that Cooper Cup was far and away the best wide receiver in the league and possibly the best wide receiver uh, of his generation. I, I just. I just want that to be stated that there were folks on a certain four-letter network that was throwing that narrative out there. Just just saying. Anywho, um, you have the Rams wide receiver core. You have a solid tight end in Tyler Higby. Matthew Stafford returning to Detroit. Uh, you know, I don't care about the Matthew Stafford uh, coming back to Detroit. That, to me, that narratives like that mean nothing. Stafford's going to be fine. You know, like... Like, the emotions aren't going to get to him in the the heat of the moment, this, that, and the other. This is about the matchup. Is it a good matchup? It's a phenomenal matchup if you're Stafford. Uh, Because you're not going to see a ton from the Lions. That's really going to, like, destruct Stafford. It's like, he's not going to see anything that's going to, like, force him to, like, throw uh, for a bunch of turnovers, like... To me, this game kind of comes down to basic execution. Can and both of these squads are top five in the league in red zone efficiency. They're both uh, near 67% in touchdown efficiency in the red zone. That's what this game comes down to. The reason why I don't necessarily love this game from a fantasy perspective versus the Green Bay-Dallas game is I know between Green Bay's defense and the Cowboys' defense they are going to gamble on plays, and the plays that they gamble and lose on, they are going to give up big chunk yard plays and pot and likely touchdowns. This game, I could see it playing out fast, but scoring slower. If you if you catch my drift, I could see I could see the completions on both sides 
being north of 30, but the total yards still be under 400. So they can complete a bunch of shorter passes, but we're not necessarily seeing the explosive yard uh, yardage plays down the field. That That is the dynamic that we could run into in this game. Now, from a fantasy perspective with uh, DFS, I'm seeing a lot of the projection models favor Puka Nakua over uh, Cooper Cup. The reason being is that Cup has been banged up this year, but the way I would look at it is the standpoint of Nakua, phenomenal rookie year, broke the uh, rookie receiving uh, record for most receptions. Puka's been used up this year. Now it's playoff time. They need to kind of go back to their usual workhorse. To me, Cup has had enough time off, essentially, with Puka having uh, so many targets go his way down the stretch of the year. To me, I think it flips where Cup's getting the bulk of the uh, targets and receptions and has about like a buck 30 and maybe one or two touchdowns from a targeting standpoint. That's why I look at it from the standpoint of Cup's 7,500, Nakua's 7,200. If the projections and the ownership is favoring Nakua over Cup, and Cup's only $300 more, to me, this is a no-brainer. Um, the CD cost or the CD tax is so high that Cup at 7500 I get a 1500 discount off of CD Lamb. For a guy that may have just as high of a target count and just as likely touchdown equity as CD Lamb. To me, that's that's the pivot. It's like I can go Amon Ra, St. Brown on the other side as well for the Lions. I have no qualms there. I just don't think the touchdown equity is as high on the St. Brown side as uh, the Cup side. Cup is going to get red zone targets. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of Kenny Hall and them in. When the uh, Lions get in the red zone, they're going to run the ball. So whether they finally give Gibbs some red zone carries or they just pound a rock uh, up the middle of David Montgomery, the Lions are more than likely just going to run the ball. So that's the other downside to the Lions uh, side of the equation. If you want to play golf lineups, they need to be able to uh, score outside the 30 for a passing touchdown, in my opinion. Most of the Lions' touchdowns either went to running backs uh, or they did some type of play action and they threw it to Laporta. Laporte is the other question mark in this game where he suffered the bad knee injury to close out the year. And now the question is, you know, in that meaningless game against uh, the Vikings, you got essentially you're trying to figure out what the hell Laporte is going to do in this game. I feel as though Laporte is more of a decoy. It would not shock me if Laporta caught one or two passes but had less than 10 yards uh, receiving for the entire game. It wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Because to me, you don't come back from a knee injury that quickly and actually look productive. It's like, to me, I think Laporta is more of a decoy. He may be able to do some short yardage plays because he can do a fake. 
uh, and he can get, uh, you know, he's shown that he has that little Travis Kelsey-like wiggle where, you know, uh, DBs and linebackers just buy into it and shift their way to the wrong direction, and he gets himself open. But in terms of speed to, like, move away from people, like, there's no chance. There's no chance I, I, I expect Laporta to be able to accelerate and, and blow past the defender. So to me, I feel Laporta's going to be more of a decoy or just short yardage only. But it wouldn't shock me if in the red zone they, they ran a, a red zone play for Laporta because, you know, at that point he, he would be the decoy and they, and they were expecting him to be a decoy. And that's when they get, get caught off guard for a touchdown. That, to me, that would be the ultimate troll play. But I, I would respect it from Dan Campbell. And I and I know I give uh, people don't think I give Dan Campbell credit because uh, he does a lot of goofy stuff, which he does. But I re- I respect his troll game because the, the 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 man gives zero f's about what anyone thinks or an, uh, someone who will analyze games like myself. He he will just go by his gut and 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 go with it. So Laporta being a decoy and not being able to run, but yet still somehow getting a red zone target. Would not shock me in the slightest. But in this game, I lo- I look at it as from a, f- a matchup standpoint. This is this is the, probably the worst matchup the Lions could have gotten in the first round. I think the winner of, uh, you know, because it, it, it's it's going to come down to the worst team winning uh, gets a matchup. So yeah, if the Lions had to play Dallas, I think Dallas is a better matchup for the Lions than the Rams. Because uh, Dallas will still try to force the ball through CD in the pass funnel. It's like that part's not changing. But in terms of variety in the passing attack, I think Dallas oftentimes gets a little bit more tunnel vision. So the matchup they had against Dallas that they should have won, I, I think Detroit's more, more than willing to play Dallas. I don't think I, I don't think that, uh, the Lions are really excited to play this Rams game. Uh, I'm very curious about how this game goes because I do think that the one benefit on the Lions side is it's a home game. It's going to be loud, but the reason why I say it's not because of the crowd being loud um, impacting the Rams. It's going to impact the refs. After that debacle against Dallas, the refs got so much heat. From everyone in the sports world because they saw the refs screw up the Lions game royally. And, yes, I know the Cowboys fans are going to say that, it, uh, you know, the tripping penalty was on Aiden Hutchinson. Everyone everyone knows that follows football knows about the, the game shouldn't have been, even been in play because they blew the tripping call. But what everyone saw was that the Lions reported eligible the referee got the, the names mixed up and screwed up the entire play. That's what everyone saw. And then try to play it off that the Lions didn't report. Everyone saw it. And so now you got a hostile crowd that hates the refs. And they're going to be whipped into a frenzy because it's a night game. And they're going to be they're going to be pissed drunk at that point. Those refs are going to get bullied. And I think the NFL is going to step in and say, if it's a borderline call, let it go the Lions way. And just leave it at that. 
So it's not going to shock me if the Rams get no calls when they should be getting calls because of what happened in the Dallas game. Not going to shock me in the slightest because that's oftentimes how these things got to work. It's like, you know, if, if you get screwed enough, uh, you know, eventually it starts working. Unless you're the Saints. If you're the Saints, then the league just tells, tells you you're going to bleep yourself. But, uh, <laughs> uh, or, or they just start suspending your coaches uh, amongst other things. But, um, yeah, you know, it, to me, this is the m- most interesting game because I think the Rams are the better team. I think the Rams should be favored, even though they're on the road. But I can see the I can see the Lions win. It's not as though the Rams are a great team. I'm just saying it's not a great matchup for the Lions. Aaron Donald pressuring up the middle against Jared Goff is not necessarily a great scenario for a Lions fan. Now, granted, Ragnow has been playing excellent football this year, so maybe he keeps it, keeps the the uh, inside pocket clean enough. But I don't love the matchup for the Lions. Not in the slightest. So, we have that. Anywho, uh, I don't necessarily love the Monday game. So, uh, I may just do a quick uh, quick assessment for the Monday game. So, uh, instead of recording a separate episode uh, uh, tomorrow. So, uh, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll get into the Monday games. And, uh, yeah. We'll go from there. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back. Again, I told you guys, I don't really love these Monday games. I hate the Eagles, and frankly, I don't see how this Steelers team has much of a chance against Buffalo unless Josh Allen airmails the ball to them multiple times. But we'll cover the games anyway. Um, Yeah, so starting off with the postponed game, you know, I I told you guys, like... If anyone even bothered looking at the weather conditions in Buffalo, you know, it it was, try to play a game for one o'clock today would have been insane. Uh, Like, stop. Just stop. Uh, Like, folks still complaining about it. It's like, oh, they moved the game to give the Bills an advantage. This game going to go one way. Unless Josh Allen makes it go another. I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. This Steelers team sucks. All you, all these Pittsburgh fans bitching and moaning about Mike Tomlin. Like, you know, I almost hope Mike Tomlin just goes to another team. Just to shove it up Pittsburgh's ass. Because, you know, I'm so sick of Steelers fans complaining about Tomlin as a head coach. Your roster is basically been bottom three in the league for the better part of five plus years now. Big Ben was not has not been good in over a decade. I just I just want everyone to understand this. If Eli Manning 
had Big Ben's rosters throughout the bulk of their playing careers, Eli would have at least four rings. Ben got two, and one he got gifted by the refs against Seattle. Uh, not that anyone like really wants to talk about that game because that was one of the worst Super Bowls you could ever watch. And then the other the other Super Bowl, he played a horrible game against uh, the Cardinals and had one good drive, but that one good drive is the only thing anyone actually remembers about that game. I, lo- I love the selective memory by folks because they don't actually watch games in their entire context. They only remember how the game ended. But hey, it it, it, it works for me because, you know, that, that's how I do my analysis and, you know, <laughs> beat, beat everyone else to it. But that being said, this Steelers team made a run to close out the year with Mason Rudolph at QB doing the bare minimum, um, which shows you how just inconsequential Kenny Pickett truly is in the grand scheme of things. It's like Mike Tomlin getting 10 wins out of Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph. Like people are going to legitimately act as though the Steelers team is actually good. And it's saying, oh yeah, we should be doing better. We could do better than Mike Tomlin. Like this defense deserves better. Yeah. That's, that's a GM issue. That's not a head coach issue. You got no QB. Your offensive line is sus. Your running backs are average at best. Uh, it's like, you know, it, it, listen, it is what it is. It's like Najee Harris has maybe one good game out of 15. You know, you miss that running back. You spent a high draft pick on running back and you missed on him. What, what, what else do you want to say? It's like, it is what it is. You know, you don't like your wide receivers. You think they're divas. Okay. Who else is going to catch the ball with these QBs? Like, that Pittsburgh team is going nowhere uh, with another coach. But, hey, I'll... I, 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 if, this, if the stories are true and Tomlin truly is done in Pittsburgh, whether he wants to just take a break and do a TV gig or he just wants to leave and go to a team with an actual roster, more power to him. Because sticking around year after year, getting piss poor talent rosters to the playoffs to get knocked out by substantially better teams and then get nothing but abuse from the fan base complaining about them. It's like, it's a thankless job. It, it's, it's just a reality situation. Because everyone's like, look, he's nothing without Ben. Uh, ben wasn't all that. Uh, I hate to bring it to folks. Like, ugh, I, I give up. It was like, it's like, it's not like Ben was trash, but like, the, the idea of Big Ben and the reality, the situation of Big Ben are two very different things. Two very different things in terms of uh, production versus other QBs of that era. Just saying. Just saying. Anywho. So, from a fantasy perspective, what do we look at this game? Oh, God. Oh, all right, so the Bills essentially have just shifted to a running offense where Josh Allen just 
pretends to be Cam Newton. Um, th- that's a reality situation. Uh, they, the, the Bills do not trust uh, Josh Allen with deep passing plays. And so they have basically turned this into a short yardage offense. Intermediate pass plays, they're trying to limit Josh's throws as much as humanly possible and just allow him to run the football. They don't... The Bears... I mean, uh, the Bills... Uh, front office was trying to get away from Josh taking this many hits because part of the issue of why Cam's career got cut short is because he took so many uh, tough hits. This is not a long-term solution, but the Bills were so broken on offense that they had to go to this because Josh just could not complete uh, intermediate passing routes on a consistent basis without turning the ball over. So by just running the football and being an option QB... It's actually gotten the Bills into a position where, technically, the AFC is so weak, he can actually get away with this and not get punished for it. Without T.J. Watt, it's probably going to happen again because the Steelers' defense, while solid, I think they could, the best they can do without T.J. Watt is contain the Bills. I don't think they could stop the Bills from scoring 30. And I don't think this, uh, um, and unless the Steelers' defense gets a touchdown, I don't think the Steelers' offense can break 20. Which basically tells you what all you need to know, because this line's at 10. It's like, maybe there's a backdoor cover because the Steelers get a turnover and get the offense some extra points, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. But the reason, like, I don't see the Steelers breaking 20, and I have a hard time seeing the Steelers' defense without T.J. Watt holding the Bills' To under 30. I think 30 is a reasonable expectation. I know Steelers fans are going to say, oh, the Steelers defense in the playoffs should be able to stop the Bills from being able to run the ball. Well, if your offense can't stay on the field, which I think they're going to struggle to because, again, it's Mason Rudolph at QB. I, I I don't see... I don't see where... The Steelers are, from a time possession standpoint, get anywhere close to 30 minutes. I think the Bills have the ball for maybe 35 minutes today. I don't see where the Steelers are winning this game. You would need a blown coverage, deep pass play over the top uh, for Pickens or Deontay Johnson, Josh Allen to throw a pick six or fumble the ball away, uh, and, uh, you know, get, get a defensive touchdown to to somehow win this game. Like, that's what it takes for the Steelers to win this game. Like, they need multiple screw-ups by the Bills. The Bills just play basic football. Again, I told you guys, they've shifted to the Cam Newton Panthers offense where you're primarily running the ball, short passes, don't, don't overcomplicate things. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's not a long-term solution, but it can be highly effective in short doses. So, again, not a whole lot to write home about. But in this game, uh, you know, yeah, you can play Josh Allen, but you basically need Josh Allen to run it in multiple times to be a viable uh, fantasy option because at 8K... You know, because it's tied to 
this game was originally one o'clock. It's like it's tied to that uh, three three game block on the on the main slate for DraftKings. So compared to Dak and Jordan Love, I you know, and even when you get to Stafford and Golf, it's going to be tough for Josh Allen to outscore those guys. Because you're you're going to need Josh Allen to run uh, run for two touchdowns or throw for three touchdowns or some combination. Like Josh Allen's got to somehow get to four touchdowns, whether it's two rushing, through throwing, or uh, three throwing, one rushing. Like he's going to need because of the salary and the other options to get there. Because that's why I don't like Stephon Diggs because a Josh hasn't been talent, uh, targeting him. And B, they've been cutting down on Josh's throws because they don't want Josh throwing the ball because they can't trust him to throw the ball uh, and be efficient with it. So the passing attempts are down. And they're having a run more. So, you know, it it makes it very tough to trust the Bills because, you know, the only guy getting more consistently on the Bills' offense outside of Josh Allen is James Cook. Because James Cook is getting the carries and he's getting the dump offs from Josh Allen um, when he's finally deciding to check the ball down, uh, which wasn't happening during the losing streak. So, you know, again, it, it's it's not as though the Bills are doing anything revolutionary. It's just the fact that you know they can't get punished because the AFC is not that very good this year. Well, let's just call a spade a spade. It's like you know. Cleveland's now out of it. It's like none of these defenses actually scare me in terms of uh, stopping the Bills from uh, getting away with uh, uh, a rudimentary offense. You know, based off of the matchups now, uh, you're more than likely set to see a matchup Featuring the Bills and Chiefs. Now that's, to me, that's uh, the ticket everyone wants to see. It's just the fact that, uh, you know, it's just the Chiefs going to be in Buffalo. I I don't love the Chiefs. Like, you you guys already know. Like, I don't like the Chiefs uh, this year anyway. But Chiefs can win that game against the Bills. And I know I'm being presumptuous by saying this, but that's how little I think of the Steelers team. It's like, to me, it was work enough for Mike Tomlin to get this uh, ungrateful fan base into the playoffs, but they don't they don't care. So if they don't care, it's like, I'll, I'll treat you the way that I treat you. It's like, uh, the, the Steelers team, you know, it is what it is. It's like, it's an afterthought um, at this point in the year, as far as I'm concerned. But that's not Tomlin's fault. It's like he's going to try to get this team uh, prepared to try to execute, but there's nothing from an upside standpoint that tells me that they can beat this Bills team without the Bills screwing up. That that that's just a reality situation. So, anywho, uh, moving on. Finally, the game I think everyone has wrong: Tampa Bay hosting Philly. I said it from the, the jump. I don't know how Philly's favored in this game. There were teams that were on the road that were favored that I, I can make easy cases for. I don't know how Philly, without A.J. Brown, 
should ever be favored in this matchup when you already know that Jalen Hurts has a jacked up middle finger and it on his throwing hand. Like, how is this possible? I, I don't like I'm not a Baker Mayfield fan. I think Baker's a roller coaster. My dad and I joke about the fighting Baker Mayfield as a joke because the roller coaster effect is very real. You can literally look at the data to show when Baker's bad, he is horrendous. There's like there, there is like there's not even like a meh. It's like no, it's either he's pretty good or pretty awful. However, in this matchup, it's going to be hard to be awful against an Eagle secondary this bad. And the issue with the Eagles is there's no vertical threat outside of Devonta Smith for the Eagles to take the top off the defense. And even if you are able to take the top off the defense, your QB has a jacked up hand that's going to have a tough time throwing the ball down the field consistently. This is a bad matchup for the Eagles because the way they need to be able to win it is they have to get behind the uh, the Tampa secondary. And they need to be able to have a mobile QB that can run. Jalen Hurts has a jacked up knee as well that no one's been talking about. Like the Eagles mismanaged Hurts throughout the year. Jalen is not able to scramble. He's not able to scramble right now. He needs, he needs surgery to get a lot of, uh, you know what, worked on. He's not, he's not healthy right now. So you're taking away the scrambling. You're taking away the vertical passing threat. What are you left with with the Eagles? A very rudimentary offense, and Nick Sirianni has, is showing that he's out of his depth without his coordinators because they haven't been able to find ways of generating offense, and they can't stop anybody. I, like, again, it's not as though I like the, the Tampa side of the equation, but I'm looking at the matchup. This matchup screams... This game's going to go under uh, under the total. The total's 43 and a half. Eagles favored by three and a half. There's a very real scenario where this is like a 27 to 10 game. Or uh, 20, uh, like 24-20. And, and you barely hit the over. In that case. Because it's 43 and a half. But you get what I'm saying is that I'm seeing multiple scenarios where this game can play tight or the Eagles just do nothing on offense because they don't have, they don't have the guy, the horses that they would expect to have. It's not going to shock me if the Eagles offense completely uh, flames out without AJ Brown and an injured Jalen hurts. It's not going to shock me because we literally saw this matchup a couple of years ago against this very same defense when the, uh, the, the Brady Bucks played a young Jalen Hurts pre-AJ Brown and they had Devonta Smith and they basically shut down the Eagles offense because Jalen couldn't throw deep balls and struggled in the win against Brady. And Brady just uh, got, got, like, it wasn't even like a big game from Brady. He just got the team up and down the field. Now, I'm not saying... Baker is going to be like Brady. Let's just get that absolutely straight. Baker could easily just throw a pick six and make this game competitive. But what I'm saying is Baker just has to do the bare minimum. There's going to be wide receivers open the entire game against this Eagle secondary. All he has to do, throw it into the window, 
Let the receiver run and catch. Don't do anything crazy. You can convert multiple uh, multiple third downs, move the sticks, run the ball uh, with stretch run plays with Rashad White, do some dump offs with Rashad as well. Like, there's going to be plenty of opportunities just to just pitter-pat against this Eagle secondary. So, to me, Baker can just stat pad, get 300 yards on, like, 20 completions because the Eagles are going to allow the receivers to uh, get yards after catch, and they just make up their yards that way. Like, Baker does not need to throw deep down the field against to beat this Eagle secondary. They can't tackle. So, you got an Eagles offense... That's busted right now. You got a defense that can't stop anybody, but yet they're favored. It, it's it's the most nonsensical it's the most nonsensical line of the weekend. And I've been calling it out the enti- entire time, and I've been having people complain to me that as a Giants fan, I'm just being too much of a homer. I don't understand this. Like we literally know what this offense looked like without AJ Brown, and you got a QB with an injured throwing hand. It's 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 just too ridiculous. I'm I'm sorry. It's like I get too annoyed because I can't hear logical arguments on the opposite side justifying the Eagles side. There's not a logical argument to justify the Eagles being favored in this matchup. What it's surefire way are the Eagles like a a, a, a consistent favorite? They don't stop anybody. They don't have a consistent offensive engine right now with an injured Hurts. He's not running. Devonta Smith's been banged up. They're like, like I'm just going to even throw this out there. What happens if Devonta Smith goes down with an injury again, which has happened throughout the year? What happens if he goes down with another injury? And now you're just left with Julio Jones as the number one wide receiver with Dallas Goddard as the tight end. That's literally what we'd be down to. We'd be down to Devonta Smith, uh, like, injured on the sideline, and Julio Jones as the number one wide receiver. Julio Jones in 2023, who's been a shell of, like, the, basically the guy who the artist formerly known as Julio Jones is more likely. It's like, to me, like, that, that has been the most nonsensical thing I've, I've been reading all weekend. It's just, yeah, the Eagles just get right the ship. They're gonna write the sh- uh, like they're ready. They're getting ready to write the ship. Write the ship? How? They're they 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 got leaks all over the place. The the boat is sinking. <laughs> like it is actively sinking as we speak. They're trying to bail out water. If anything else, they're not trying to write the ship. The thing is sinking to the bottom of the ocean. Anywho. Let me get out and out of here because like I, I've I've already said my piece enough about these games. So um, from a fantasy perspective, um, you know, I would say it's probably uh, you're looking at a Mike Evans, um, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. That's about it. Um, yeah, you could look at Rashad White, but like there's so many running back plays already that I would prefer compared to. Rashad White, because like you got uh, James Cook, you got Kyron Williams, you got Gibbs, you got Aaron Jones, David Montgomery. I probably would like put in the same range as Rashad White. It, like, there's just not a great, um, great rationale to justify Rashad White over some of the other guys that I had already mentioned. 
but yeah, you can you can look at uh, you can look at Mike Evans uh, because he's he's essentially going to be running you right around um, uh, that seven K range. But you know, it's again one of those plays where for the Monday slate, it's only because. Uh, I hate the, the Buffalo matchup. Um, but for the six-game matchup, uh, uh, when you're starting from the beginning, it's like there are so many other plays I would rather play than the Tampa receivers. And I hate the Eagles side of the equation because Devonta Smith hasn't been healthy. He could easily get knocked out of the game. I'd rather play Nico Collins over Devonta Smith. Truth be told. For the six-game slate. Yeah, I think... I think there's a higher floor for Nico Collins than Devonta Smith. At least uh, Collins is playing in a dome and hasn't had the injury history that Smith has had. There's a lot of risk um, on the Smith side of the equation. So that's the reality situation is that uh, the Eagles are not even remotely a safe play and they're getting favored. It's like, to me, the easiest thing you can do for yourselves here, folks, is tease the Buffalo total where essentially even if Josh does something stupid which is possible you'd have the Bills as a four point favorite and they should still be able to cover that and then you have uh, Tampa uh, as an underdog like basically the Eagles would need to win by 10 to me that's the way I would look at it it's like, I expect the Bills to win, but Josh could do something stupid. So if you tease the game, you don't have to worry about his defensive turnover ruining your need to cover by 10. And then on the Tampa side, yeah, you, you give them enough cushion that it's like, somehow the Eagles do get the ship righted. They're still not winning by 10 on the road. That's just too big of a number. So, anywho, uh, yeah. That's going to do it for me. We're going to call it a day. Uh, enjoy the games, folks. Like I said, it, to me, this is about the Rams-Lions game more than anything else. Uh, we'll see what the cow- which Cowboys team shows up. Uh, nothing will surprise me when it comes to Dallas. <laughs> I will say that. I've seen too many Cowboys playoff games at this point to be surprised by any scenario. Um Outside of them actually winning Super Bowl at this point, but um, that would shock me. But uh, anything else, not really. Um, But uh, yeah, so enjoy the games, folks. Uh, And uh, yeah, until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.